9 o'clock. Thanks for joining us for Mav Day. Brought to you by Covercraft Coffee and Beer House at 1144 North 12th Street and Glenwood across from Colorado Mesa featuring only Colorado's best coffee and beer open Monday through Thursday, 7.30 till 8, Friday and Saturday, 7.30 to 9, Sunday, 8 until noon. Perfect place before you go watch the Mavs play or after for a delicious Colorado coffee or beer with uh, James and Amanda over at Colorado Coffee and uh, Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer House, 1144 North 12th Street and Glenwood across from CMU. Uh, they have the trivia nights every Friday at 6.30. You can bring your own food in, by the way, as well. And also, uh, James texted us earlier that uh, they also have, starting tonight, beer bingo. that starts at 6.30. So you win a game, you win a beer or coffee. And today we'll play uh, Herd Trivia, where you could win a coffee or beer a week from Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer House. Once again, 1144 North 12th Street, Anglewood across from Colorado Mesa. All right, so uh, we'll have Chris Hanks coming up in a moment, Maverick men's basketball coach uh, Mike DeGeorge, and women's coach Taylor Wagner in just a few minutes. Uh, do we have we have a winner, by the way, for uh, for uh, Triple Play Records Stadium Center? We had that last hour, Sean O. Yes, Sean O. And, and Tony. Have- Looks like Tony's on the list for uh, the V-Dubs giveaway, so we got to play the... You just made the list! There you go. All right, so congratulations to both uh, Sean and Tony. And we'll qualify another person this hour for our Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway. Table for six and 50 wings of Buffalo Wild Wings for Sunday's big game. All right, first time this year to talk Maverick baseball as they get things going in Florida. Time to talk with the skipper, Chris Hanks. Talking CMU baseball with Mav skipper Chris Hanks on the team. And with us right now is coach of the eighth-ranked Colorado Mesa Mavericks baseball team, Chris Hanks. Chris, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, Jim? Doing fine. So uh, Mavericks getting ready to get things going. Uh, You're out in Florida where uh, you take on Florida Southern College and then a rematch with uh, your friends that you made from last year, uh, Rollins College, and they made uh, the trip out to Grand Junction to play over at uh, the Diamond of the Bergman uh, Sports Complex. So couple of really good Florida schools, uh, Florida Southern, and then, as I mentioned, 15th-ranked Rollins College on your schedule the next couple of days. Yeah, we have a, we have a tough and challenging opening for sure. You know, uh, there, Rollins and uh, Florida Southern are, were preseason voted number two and three in their conference, only behind Tampa. So uh, we're going to have our hands full. We're going to find out what we're made of real early. Well, you open up with Florida Southern today, and uh, they already are off to a good start. Uh, they picked up a, a win against 11th-ranked University of West Florida. Uh, they won 6-2, to two, but then lost the, the final two games, 14-10 to 10 and 2 to nothing. But uh, they've already had a chance to, to dive right in with uh, a nationally-ranked team in West Florida. Yeah, both, both schools have opened already. Uh, this will be our opener. So, you know, they could be a little bit ahead of us, uh, but we're going to – you know, go down there and uh, play our best ball. Now, as far as, you know, going out to Florida, uh, you normally it's you guys go out to the West Coast, play some of the California schools like Point Loma and some of those out there. A little bit of a twist this year going out to uh, the East Coast to, to open up against the Florida schools. Uh, I mean, just for take us kind of through the decision to do that. Obviously, Rollins College coming out here. Uh, you wanted to return the favor. That was part of the, the contract. But, but just kind of take us through the decision to go out to uh, to the East Coast and not the West Coast this year. 
Well, you know, it all centers around, truthfully, uh, going dating back to last year, not being able to find games in the West. Uh, you know, the Lone Star Conference is completely contained from the standpoint of uh, 48 of their 50 games are conference games. So they're really not even much of an option to play non-conference for anybody in our league. Uh, you know, they, we, you know, as you mentioned, we like going to California. Uh, but you run into the same thing. You got to find people with open weekends and then people that want to play. We had uh, a Cal State LA and us had the same open weekend. We, we tried to get them on the schedule. They, they didn't want to play. And so, you know, we had set, uh, we had, uh, set the two-year deal with Rollins. And then, you know, we were sitting at 49 games. So we thought, let's go uh, a day early and let's, Florida Southern uh, had an opening, and if we're going to make that trip and go that distance, let's get four ball games in and round out our 50-game schedule. And you, you do have a couple games out in California against Azusa Pacific uh, later on in February, so you do have a, a trip out to California as part of that. And, of course, you had Azusa Pacific here last year. So, uh, as we mentioned, uh, with, uh, with the mocks of Florida Southern, they've already played three games uh, give us a little bit of a scouting report of what you've uh, seen in regard to maybe watching some video of those games, uh, those those three uh, uh, first games of the season for the Mocs. Well, they're big and physical. They've uh, got a bunch of power arms. Uh, they have a, they really uh, went heavily into the transfer portal. They have a, a bunch of transfers, some kids from University of Houston, Maryland. Uh, you know, we, we understand they're big and physical, and they, uh, they really swing it. Uh, but maybe they tend to strike out a lot too. So we'll we'll see it firsthand tomorrow uh, tomorrow night. But uh, you know they're going to be good. Uh, everybody in that conference, you know, the Sunshine Conference with Tampa, Rollins, Florida Southern, uh, and that group, uh, they're traditionally the strongest uh, conference in the country, uh, year in and year out. Bryce Saperwich for them has already uh, picked up six hits of those first three games. Uh, he's uh, a guy that was at James Madison. He was an all-conference player at uh, James Madison previously. So uh, Safrowich uh, off to a good start right now for that uh, that Florida Southern team. Yeah, all those clubs down there, uh, you know, as we look at rosters, they all, they're all they all utilizing the transfer portal. And, you know, of course, I think probably a lot of those kids were originally from Florida and for whatever reason got in the transfer portal at their Division One school and, chose to transfer either closer to home or, you know, at the end of the day, Florida's not a bad place to, to go play if you're a baseball kid. Yeah, I should mention with Saffer, which was an all-conference player at Florida Southern, did was a uh, academic honor roll selection when he was at James Madison prior to uh, transferring to play at Florida Southern. We're talking with Chris Hanks, uh, the skipper of the Calder Mesa Mavericks baseball team, uh, eighth-ranked on the season. And, uh, Chris, to just kind of highlight on, 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 you know, on your pitching staff and also uh, – uh, from what you have at the plate this year, Liam Hohenstein had such a great year last year. Um, you know, was a NCBWA preseason all-region selection, uh, unanimous choice. Uh, was on every single ballot. Had a phenomenal freshman season, nine and one record, three point zero six ERA in the sixty-four and two-thirds innings that he pitched. Liam was just incredible for you last year. What have you seen? And, and, and when you talk with Jeff Rogers about his development, what have you seen in progression for Liam? from freshman campaign to now this year? Well, I think he's just matured like a lot of kids. You know, he's refined things. I think he's uh, going to be better. He just won't be as unknown. 
uh, you know, sometimes being an unknown can help a kid. You know, he's not going to surprise anybody this year, so he'll have to be on his game. But uh, we're going to roll him out tomorrow night against Florida Southern. How does the rest of your pitching staff look outside of Liam as far as your starters this year? Well, you know, we got some depth. We think we have six or seven uh, kids that could start. Uh, game two, we're going to go Cole Seward, and uh, game three, Kyle Miller, and then Jacob Rhodes in the fourth slot. Uh, and then we have some new additions that, that will come out of the bullpen but may get starts here over the next few weeks. Chris Hanks, coach of the Cover Mesa Mavericks baseball team, eighth-ranked team in Division Two baseball, uh, joining us today. And then uh, another player to, to certainly keep an eye on. He had such a great year last year, uh, now in his senior campaign, Rob Sherrar, uh, preseason all-region selection, uh, led the Mavericks with a three with a four thirty seven batting average, 11 doubles. He had three triples, 11 home runs, 55 runs driven in. And a guy that just, you know, for a while kind of got caught up in the logjam of really talented players, uh, Chris, and finally got that opportunity last year to, to be a, a, a regular and everyday player for you and really uh, took, uh, took to that opportunity last season. He sure did. You know, and he'll be, he's a team leader this year. He'll be our leadoff guy. But he's like a lot of kids in our program's history, you know, along the lines of the Austin Kaisers and, and, and such that, you know, waited their turn. They didn't play immediately, and, and they're a good lesson to kids, good young kids we have in our program right now that we, we feel are going to be super talented and that will play a little this year, but they may not play a lot. So, uh, you know, the best thing about Rob is he's our hardest worker and he's a great leader. And of course, you lose some talented guys to, to graduation. Conrad Villaforte, uh, who's going to be playing here in Grand Junction with the Jackalopes coming up this summer. Um, obviously, um, you know, you, you lose uh, Julian Boyd as well. It had such a sensational uh, couple of years with the Mavericks. So that's where guys like Stevenson Reynolds, a former Palisade Bulldog, who had some good numbers last year, you hope uh, to see him build on what he did last season. Yeah, you sure do. Right now he's nursing a hamate bone injury, so he's not with us on this first trip. But uh, Braden Wingo will take over at first base and uh, – you know, and we have guys that were waiting their turn last year. Uh, you know, they were playing backups to Julian and, and to Stevenson. And uh, it, it, very similar to last year, we had a new group of kids taking over from McGarry and Bramwell and Farmer and, and different things. So, uh, you know, now it's some other kids' turns, and all they need to do is step up. Chris Hanks, coach of the eighth-ranked Cutter Mesa Mavericks baseball team, with us today on uh, Mav Day on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Uh, just kind of take us through how you know what that infield is going to look like for you, Chris, and in, in Game One uh, coming up tomorrow, and also what what your outfield is going to look like as well for uh, for that first game of the season. Well, um, hold on one second here. We're getting off the bus here in Montrose to the airport. I got to find a place to talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're in transit here. Um, you know, we uh, we're going to have to. You asked me about who what our defense looks like is that correct yeah what, what, what's your defense look like this year chris you mentioned you know uh, the braden wing it's going to be filling in for uh, uh yeah. yeah at first base but what is it what's the rest of your lineup look like for tomorrow's game well we'll roll out john gonzalez he'll be a mainstay i think at second base uh we have a few candidates that could be our shortstop with the departure of harrison but we have some good ones uh you know kennedy hara may be there although we may start him off at third base we have a new kid josh romans who was uh, with the Weatherford, Texas team here at the Junior College Tournament. That's where we saw him last year at uh, JUCO, and we got him. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to start him at short and Kennedy at third. And 
uh, and uh, Paul Schoenfeld left, Sherrard in center, and uh, maybe a true freshman, uh, Ethan Nunez in right. It could be Brent Renteria, who was a backup last year as well. But Ethan Nunez is a true freshman out of Southern California, and uh, there's a chance that, uh, I mean, as a freshman, you may see him in our three-hole, four-hole, which will be the first time we've had a young kid like that in the three or four-hole since Bly Madris. He reminds us a lot of Bly. He's on, I think, the same development path. Yeah, not a bad guy to uh, to model yeah. yourself after, have that skill set uh, like Bly Madris, no doubt about that. Uh, Chris, I know you got to get on uh, get on the plane and everything. I do want to quickly mention the leadoff weekend presented by the Courtyard yeah. by Marriott. Uh, that's coming up next week. Uh, February 15th will be our first broadcast. Uh, we can take on Montana State Billings, and people can get tickets for the leadoff dinner uh, that's that night on the 15th. Yep, they just need to go to supportingcmu.com. Uh, they can contact the athletic department or send the baseball office an email, myself, uh, or the College Foundation, and uh, uh, we can get you hooked up. It'll be a fun night, uh, always uh, entertaining, and it's a, we just have a good time. All right, Chris, we'll, we'll cut it short here because since uh, you're in transit, appreciate it. Best of, a safe trip and best of luck out in Florida starting tomorrow. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Take care. Chris Hanks, coach of the Maverick baseball team, the eighth-ranked Calvin Mesa Mavericks uh, on the road in Montrose right now. Getting ready to head yeah. to uh, Florida for those uh, four games. Starting tomorrow. Yeah, starting yeah, tomorrow. Roll off the plane and take some BP and get after it. Get after it. Florida Southern tomorrow. And then Thursday, they'll play a single game against Rollins College single game Friday and Saturday against Rollins as well. So uh, Lakeland, Florida, tomorrow, Winter Park, Florida, for those uh, three games with Rollins College uh, coming up uh, on Thursday, by the way. And then, as we mentioned, the uh, the opening game over at the Diamond at the Bergman Sports Complex against Montana State Billings. It's a 1 o'clock start on uh, Thursday, February 15th, and uh, we'll have that game right here on the team, CMU Sports Network. Yeah, I... I don't know if they're going to be able to get the games in in Rollins Park. It's 65 right now. It's I don't know. Might be a little bit too I, chilly. Maya, this could be rough. <laughs> could be, yeah, just be a little little too cold. Yeah. No. I, I think they're probably going to wear the long sleeves. Mavs will be fine. They'll be fine. Florida Southern, on the other hand, they may need to, you know, they, they build, may be a little cold. They right? may need to build a fire in a trash can or something yeah. like that. That's Winter Park. I wonder what Lake. Oh, Winter Park. Okay, Winter Park. Let's so, see yeah. what Lakeland's weather is. I imagine it's not a whole lot different. Sixty-seven. That's just. That's not. It's under unable 70. to play in these type of conditions. Un- under seventy degrees. Those are intolerable yeah. conditions. Pitchers and catchers report to the Grapefruit and Cactus Leagues in eight days. By the way, actually yeah. six days, I think. And we'll have Rocky Spring Training Baseball coming up here yeah. at the end of the month as well. Not too far away. All right. So uh, time right now to play. Uh, Herd Trivia, brought to you by Covered Craft Coffee and Beer House. Once again, 1144 North 12th Street in Glenwood, right across from CMU. And they serve only Colorado craft coffees and beers. And we're going to be doing uh, one of our Mav Day shows very soon. we still got to get that all all put together. Still still working on some logistics on that because we're going to get coaches over Mm -hmm. and things like that. But we are planning on doing that very soon. Got to work that out, too. James has already offered that up. And, uh, by the way, they have no charge for coffee add-ons, so keep that in mind. Other places? Yeah, they, they ding you for that. James doesn't do that over at Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer House. And uh, don't forget that they have the trivia nights every Friday 
at 6.30. And then tonight, they have Beer Bingo starting at 6.30. We can win a beer or a coffee by playing uh, Beer Bingo tonight. Now, over at Cutter Craft Coffee and Beer House. I, I hope James is still listening be able to enlighten us. Is this a regular game of bingo? Or you just drink beer and whichever beer you have fills out your bingo card? That would be fun. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. James, if you're listening, yeah. tell us I'm how interested. it works. I'm intrigued. Yes, it is interesting. How this beer bingo is going to work. Yes, that is interesting how yeah. uh, how it's going to work. So yes, Buckeye would like to know. I would like to know as well. All right, so hopefully he will yeah. he will provide that information for us. But that is tonight, six thirty. By the way, over at Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer House. All right, so it's nine seventeen. Time to play herd trivia, and our question today is this: We try to always keep these somewhat simple, yeah. maybe at least multiple choice. By the way. What year was the first year that Colorado Mesa went to the Division II World Series? Was it 2005, 2009, or 2014? I think I know this one. First correct answer, you get a coffee or beer a week from Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer House. What year was the first year the Mavericks went to the Division II World Series? believe our friend Curtis Beetleman went and called it. Mm, I believe that is correct. 2005, 2009, 2014. What was the first year the Mavericks went to the Division II World Series? All right. It's regular bingo with the prizes being delicious beverages uh, is what James says. Thank okay. you, James. Thank you for yeah. enlightening us on I'm what... I'm a big bingo guy. I like bingo's a lot of fun. Bingo's fun. It is fun. All right, so first correct answer wins today with our uh, herd trivia. So uh, send that your answer in right now. And you don't have to be 21 necessarily because it's coffee. Coffee. Yeah. So you can get coffee or tea. And they have Cutterbutter Craft sodas as well. So they got you covered, yep. man. So you, there is not a, you, you can say, well, I, I don't really drink beer. Well, you, you drink coffee, right? Yeah. You drink tea, right? There's other things. They have some, some other great beverages there mm-hmm. at Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer House. Send your answer in right now. What year was the first year CMU went to the Division II Baseball World Series? Was it 2005, 2009, 2014? Send your answer in on the team line, 970-242-1340. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado Sports Leader, the team. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. And with us right on the team line, he is the coach of the Colorado Mesa Mavericks men's basketball team, the notorious MDG Mike DeGeorge. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Morning, Jim. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, a little bit different week last week with the Tuesday Thursday games at Western and then home against Westminster, and, and your guys were trying to to to, to knock away the the feel of a, of a loss uh, the, the, of that loss to Fort Lewis and the blizzard of Brownson. I'll you know, let's go back to the Western game very briefly. They played a very slow pace. You played a very high up tempo pace, caused some problems early on, but then uh, you go out and really take care of business against Western on the road. It's always a tough place to get a victory, but uh, 67-45 able to uh, overcome that, uh, that that slowdown first half by the Mountaineers to to get the victory in that one. 
yeah, it was a strange game. You know, they really would run like a false action. They weren't even trying to score. They would just kind of run us around on, on some sort of a structured play. And then they'd reset and then just try to score in the last 10 seconds. And, you know, a big part of what they were trying to do is just get fouled. So in the first half, I think they were like four of 24 from the field. And they made seven of eight free throws. So, um, you know, I felt this late. And then offensively, we were just, you know, they were playing really hard. And um, we just got up to a little bit of a slow start, missed some uh, shots around the rim, and then didn't, weren't making threes. And it just really ground the game ground to a halt. So, luckily, we were able to get the tempo up a little bit as the game progressed and, and separate. What was the message to your guys after that loss to Fort Lewis, leading into that game with Western? Well, I just feel like we have a team that's capable of competing for a national championship, and we haven't really played at that level yet. Um, but we feel like we got this other level there. And so, you know, from my perspective, it was just an opportunity to really have their attention and uh, and really just try to focus in on the things that are going to get us to the next level. And I was pretty hard on them, and honestly, they were a little bit – you know, they really had a hard time with that loss. They, you know, it's like it's three times now we felt like we were better than the team we got beat by. And um, so they were struggling with it in a way that I did not anticipate. So, um, you know, they responded well this past week to, to try to just get uh, get back, focus on the things we can do to get better. And, and uh, you know, if we handle this right, I think it'll be a, a real positive going into – this next stretch um you know we we do have this sense that we need to improve and so that is really key this time of year a lot of teams in february don't get better and then makes march hard and last year we had a very soft schedule the second half of february and that sort of allowed us to relax a little bit which was not good heading into march um and this year i think our next seven games are extremely difficult and uh you know we're gonna have to really be ready to to, to play at a higher level than we've been playing. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team with us on the team sports network. How beneficial was it, Mike, to have maybe get out of town, you go up to Gunnison, it's a short road trip, but just to get away and and just kind of refocus and and for your guys to have a chance to, like I said, get away, you know, get out of town for just that, that brief period of time. Beneficial, you think, uh, to go up to Western and, and play in that situation as opposed to maybe getting back on the on the home floor on a Tuesday night? Yeah, I think the, the thing that was most beneficial was is that we just needed to go out and play again and have some success, and then we could move on from the loss. You know, like when you have a whole other week, it just has to sit with you that long. I thought it, I think it was good for our group just to be forced to be ready to compete on that Tuesday and, and leave. Uh, you know, we picked up what we needed to. And now let's let's move on and get get ready for the next thing. So I think that was probably the most beneficial thing. And then you had Westminster, Utah on on Thursday night, and um, and for your basketball team, tied a, a program best of eighteen threes. Elijah Newton had tied a career best of eighteen points. He had six threes. He didn't score in the first half, but man, he was hot as a pistol, Mike, in the second half. Yeah, when he gets going, it's something. And he really hasn't had one of those games this year. So it's great to see him kind of break through. He really has been shooting the ball, uh, you know, much better. The first semester, he, he struggled a little bit, was in a little bit of a slump. But this semester, he's really been good. And it's really more a matter of just trying to get him more opportunities on the floor um, so that he could get into a nice rhythm like that. So it was great to see. And you also uh, got a good game from from Isaac Jessup, nine points, uh, but all threes for Isaac. And 
And there was one play in particular, I think it was maybe the end of the first half, where Matt Grinnaker drives the lane, kicks it, you know, pocket corner three for Isaac, you know, as the clock's winding down and hits the three. I don't think you could have asked for, for better execution in that situation, uh, Mac finding Isaac. And Isaac, like I said, had, didn't have a ton of opportunity to shoot the basketball, but when he did, uh, he, uh, he made it worth his while in that win Thursday night. Yeah, and I, it was kind of weird. We missed a lot of threes early, and then, you know, you get the box grab the game, you're like, wait a minute, we just tied a school record for most threes in a game. And it felt like we didn't shoot it very well for most, you know, for at least that first half. And so, um, you know, this, you know, we're getting – it's just a different deal this year with all the threes that we're shooting and, and the way we're playing offensively. You just got to hang in there and stick with it. And Isaac is an elite shooter, and – you know, every time he gets a good look and he misses it, he gets, he's so frustrated with himself. But, you know, we're like, no one is expecting you to make them all. You know, just keep shooting them with confidence. And it was uh, great to see him get going. Well, and and you mentioned how surprised you were to, to, to tie the school record for threes. You also had 29 assists. That was a season high. And that was just uh, a couple shy of the school record back in 1999. Did you realize that your guys had did that good of a job uh, just turning the basketball in that game? Yeah, I mean, we felt good about how they were distributing, but when I looked at the box scores, 29 assists and eight turnovers, and that has to be, you know, that's an incredible differential. And so, you know, it, it, and it was our our biggest point uh, to the week was, you know, we need to really just stay focused on playing for each other. And then we just kind of went through what that means offensively and defensively. So when the guys respond with that kind of a effort uh, assisting, you know, makes you feel like they were listening. So that's, all, that's always good. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team with us. Uh, the Mavericks right now, you look at uh, the conference standings, Fort Lewis is 14-1, and one. Uh, Mavs are 13-1, and one, and Colorado School, School Lines are 13-2. And, and then uh, right outside of the, the, the trio that I just mentioned, it's Regis, 9-6, and six, your opponent coming up on uh, Friday night, Mike. And, and for Regis, uh, they have the Offensive Player of the Week and Chase Mayo Harmon. So uh, as you mentioned, this starts to stretch as some some really good basketball teams you face on the road, beginning with the Rangers on Friday night. Yeah, we, you know, we kind of felt like coming out of the after, you know, coming out of the break over Christmas that Fort Lewis had a very difficult schedule, and and uh, and so did mine. And then we probably had the lightest schedule of the three. And now you start looking at it, and you know, we may have the toughest remaining schedule now. You know, they were able to come to our place and win, and then they took apart both. Mines and uh, and Metro this weekend, and in a really easy fashion, more than what the score indicated. Um, so now they really have kind of not a very difficult stretch until they have to go on the road the last weekend to play Mines and Metro again. And we really have a seven-game stretch that's going to be very challenging. You know, these are Regis is playing as well as anybody in the league. Uh, UCCS just beat uh, Port Lewis on their home floor. So that's a very difficult weekend that we come home from Mines and Metro and then three road games in five days, all with difficult travel after that. So um, it'll be a big challenge for us to to get through this stretch. I mentioned that uh, Chase Mayo Harmon was the offensive player of the week. He's averaging just under 17 points per game. Uh, Eddie Egan is uh, their other double digit score at 11.6 points per game. Uh, Those two have obviously uh, led the way offensively for the Rangers and particularly uh, Mayo Harmon. Yeah, he's had a great year. He, you know, in the past he was just kind of just a shooter, and he's really, uh, you know, really expanded his game. He attacks the rim really hard. He's got to the free throw line a ton, um, and then he is an elite shooter with his speed set. So, 
Um, he's, he's really a big challenge. Then Egan, I've always really liked him. He's had a lot of injuries over his career, but he's healthy and and he's just a, a great athlete that can score off the bounce and uh, shoot the three. So he's, you know, both those guys give them an offensive punch, and their defensive numbers are good, and they force a lot of turnovers, and we commit a lot of turnovers. So that'll be a big challenge for us as well. Coach, when you go against two guys like that, I know Mac Rineker is going to be a huge part of your defensive game plan, reigning defensive player of the year. How do you keep him aggressive and flying around while also trying to keep him out of foul trouble, which limits his minutes at times over the course of this season? Yeah, I think Mac is doing a better job. And our, you know, it's always a, del- del- a delicate balance because you don't want him to lose his aggression. And so we've tried, tried to look at circumstances where if we could just reduce his fouls by one a game, you know, um, what, what, what are the circumstances where you could just not do that and do all the other aggressive stuff. And, you know, one of those things are, you know, uh, most people have seen him play know that if something bad happens, the, the next two minutes of energy from him is off the charts and then it ends in a foul. <laughs> so, um, you know, like we were like, hey, you play hard all the time. So you just got to handle those circumstances better and and just not get in those th- situations where, you know, they just eventually have to call a foul on you. Um, and he's really done a nice job of that this year. And and because of that, he's been in less foul trouble. But, you know, part of Mac, the Mac Renicar experience is you got to let him be him. And he's just a tremendous talent and he plays his tail off and, yeah, you just got to let him be him. And, and um, you know, and part of that is dealing with a little bit of foul trouble. I think I'm going to start using that. We will, it really the, is the an Mac, experience. The too. Mac Rineker experience. We're going to have yeah. to start to find a way to work that into broadcasts. <laughs> Mike, moving forward, we're done with Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team. And then after Regis on, on Friday night, Saturday, you make the trip down to Colorado Springs, take on uh, UCCS. Uh, right now they're ninth in the conference in the standings. Xavier Martinez for them has been their top scorer at almost 15 points per game, but they've got four guys right now in, in double digits. Uh, that'll be a real challenge against the Mountain Lions on Saturday. Yeah, and they've, uh, you know, they had a ton of injuries in the first semester, and they really just didn't play great for a stretch there, trying to find their identity without some key players. And they sort of adjusted, found everybody's role, and they're just playing at a way higher level. And, you know, um, and they're shooting a lot more threes, and, you know, on nights where they shoot it well, it can be really challenging. And so, you know, and going over there, uh, it's always a, a difficult challenge. So it'll be, it'll be a big weekend for us, for sure. All right, so I'll we'll have coverage uh, both nights, uh, Friday and Saturday, the Maverick basketball teams at, uh, of course, Regis and UCCS. And uh, women's coverage will start at 515 both nights, and then the men will play at uh, 730 right here on the team. Ethan Jordan will be making the trip over uh, for us uh, to call those games this weekend here on the team, CMU Sports Network. I do have to ask you, though, Mike, uh, you mentioned after the Westminster game that you didn't have to play last weekend, obviously. Uh, did you get out and watch, uh, watch Max out in Chicago? Yeah, I, I had a great trip. Luckily, the weather cooperated. I got out just before the storm and, and came back uh, just after it. So all that worked out well and got to, got to spend some time with family and get over to Max's game. And he got six threes up, made a couple of them. So unfortunately, their team lost, but they're having a good year. And they could, if they won their last year, they'll win the conference championship. So it was fun to just get out and support him and, and see him. And, um, and it, it was a neat weekend. So I refresh your memory. Where's Max playing again? He's playing at Grinnell in Iowa, okay. so they shoot a ton of threes and they press the whole game, and uh, it's a really up-tempo deal. 
Um, and so he's having a lot of fun. He's got great teammates, and they're really having a good year. Well, we're glad to hear that the Max is doing well at Grinnell. We appreciate the time, Mike, and, and uh, good luck this weekend against Regis and UCCS. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jim. All right. Take care. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, with us in the program this morning. Yeah, the Mac Rinnaker experience. It really is an it, experience. It, it runs too. it runs the gamut, doesn't yeah. it, sometimes? And I, I, he's obviously spot on because he's his coach, but he definitely, there is that 90 seconds to two minutes of he's just kind of out there doing everything. He's diving into the scores table, and he's shooting threes, and he's driving the hoop, and he's taking charges. He's just kind of a madman, and then all of a sudden there's just a, a poke check from you know swatting the ball from behind in a foul and you're like oh that just kind of ruins everything <laughs> it's not one of the big ones either it's always like a swat or oh reach in like come on can't let that go come on man yeah he's dove into the scores table he's taken out two cameramen he's third row deep into the herd and poke check foul oh it is an experience though that's it, it dead is. on the money and there are times it's like Mac will also put up a shot, and you're going, no, his mic would probably go, no, yeah. no, no, that was a good shot. No, 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 great shot. Or, no, don't do not do that. Don't foul him. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Seen those a couple of times. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what are you? Uh, good call. Good job. Good job, Mac. Yeah. All right, 935. And it's uh, time for Four Down Territory this morning. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, let's start things out with first down. See, David Carr, NFL Network. Oh, no. Derek's older brother. Um, Derek Carr, David Carr. Try to make a little joke last night during coverage on on media night on NFL Total Access. Wah, wah. Did you did you hear this joke? Yeah. I'd play the actual joke, but I can't get the thing to work. So he said, "Who's going to steal the show at Super Bowl opening night?" And as we saw, Carr highlights San Francisco's George Kittle, potential star worthy stealing the show in Las Vegas. And then is it? Attempted humor try to connect Taylor Swift's trip to Japan in her relationship with Travis Kelsey, implying that she might reconsider her choice if she saw Kittle in action. So I'm glad Taylor Swift is out of the country because if she sees George Kittle, she might rethink the tight end that she chose. Okay. If I'm Claire Kittle, I'm a little pissed. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, because George is married. Yeah. It's like, it's not new. He was married before they and, went to the Super Bowl and the last like, time. What did, and what did that have to do what does with, that have to do with anything? Any, anything? Oh. Man, he was more Joe Coy than Trevor it, Noah. That's uh, Yeah, no kidding. David, David Carr. Wah, Come on, wah. man. Second down. Remember when Clay Thompson was great? Winning championships. Ah, uh, yes. The old salad, Dave. Well, he's no longer that guy. No, he's not. Uh, Thompson started the fourth quarter, but then Steve Kerr set him out the final 7-19 in favor of rookie Gui Santos, I believe. Sure. So after the game. Guy, Gui. Gui. Uh, the Gui. 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 Thank you, Gui basketball Santos. reference. Okay. 
Guy Santos. Uh, the Athletics' Anthony Slater asked Thompson how he was feeling and whether there was an adjustment period giving his reduced role lately. Thompson said he felt great physically, but the mental toll admittedly has not been easy to overcome. I feel great physically, mentally, probably a little different story, but such is life, you know. Yeah, you kidding me to go from one of the best players? Long pause. It's hard for anybody, I'll be honest with you. He can't even bring himself to say it, that he's not one of the best players anymore. Started Monday, played 30 minutes, finished with eight points, four of nine shooting, six rebounds, three assists, two steals. Santos, by the way, mm-hmm. nine points, five rebounds in 18 minutes. Uh, Guy Santos, also from Brazil. The NFL is going to Brazil this season. Week one, Friday night lights down in Brazil is what I've seen. Ooh. So, yeah, that's, that's not technically a down because I don't have the page open with more information. We go to third down, and it's back to the world's most famous tight end fan, Taylor Swift. Of course. Now, is Boomer Esiason nuts, or does Boomer Esiason have inside information? And the reason I ask is... Okay. Because all these stories coming out, she's raised the level of the NFL. The NFL is going to be here after she's done. It was here before she started. You got to know her people are in touch with the NFL. And her people are probably saying, if you want her at the game, the Super Bowl, you got to pay for the jet coming back from Tokyo. And she needs her own suite. This is all about business. How many times are we, CBS, going to show her and are we going to get an arrival shot? Is Boomer Esiason crazy? Or is he onto something here and maybe has a little inside information? Ooh. I will say, yeah, with her looking like a lunatic at the Grammys, I am way more inclined to think he knows something we don't. They could all be true. Could all be true, yeah. I mean, even Goodell acknowledged. Yeah what she's what her presence has done to and if i'm increase, taylor increase I'm gonna, the fan profile if i'm taylor i'd see if anybody else will pay for it why wouldn't why she ask what are they gonna say no they say no they say no which yeah then you I'm, go sit with olivia culpa and chris mccaffrey's mom and she'll be fine yeah what's that, gonna go what's assuming go she gets that's assuming she gets back go wrong? but i would think she will definitely i mean it's a mm-hmm. super bowl yeah how would she not be there for Travis I love how Chris McCaffrey's mom went on a podcast and said Taylor's dead to her for the next week, and everybody was like, oh. I know. It's like Chris's mom claps back. Wow, stop. No, it's, she's not she's not a fan because he, she's the right. girlfriend of the rival's tight end. Exactly. You dummies. It's, I love it. She doesn't oh, hate her. People just she's just like, I'm so, not gonna listen to her music this week. So obnoxious. It's so much fun. Oh. And uh the UFL, which is still weird to say has unveiled its 2024 schedule. Ooh, I haven't seen this. Nearly three quarters of the games are going to be on broadcast television. That's good. ABC and Fox. Full schedule is split evenly, easy for me to say, between ESPN and Fox. 21 games on ESPN, 22 on Fox. ABC has 10 games. Fox has 21. All games airing on ESPN networks will stream on ESPN+. Plus. ABC and Fox will each air conference championship games with the title game airing on Fox. 
season starts in April. Oh, sorry. Season starts March 30th. Yeah. And the championship game is June 16th on Fox. Each division plays the other teams in the division home and away. And you play the other division once each. So 10 game schedule for the UFL. I just think at some point they got get they have to get rid of the XFL USFL conference names right. though. It just sounds yeah. goofy. Just go XFC and USFC. Just get rid of the L. There you and go. Go with conference. That's what the NFL did. Do the same thing. Yeah. Simple as that. There you go. There's okay. four down turn. All right. So we move on to this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1958, Ted Williams signs a contract with the Boston Red Sox for $135,000, making him the highest paid player in Major League history in 1958. 1967, Muhammad Ali successfully defends his world heavyweight title, the 15-round decision over Ernest Tennell, or Ernest Terrell, excuse me, in the Houston Astrodome. 1970, the NBA expands to 18 teams with the addition of franchises in Buffalo, Cleveland, Houston, and Portland. 1981, Wayne Gretzky scores three goals and three assists in a 10-4 Edmonton victory over Winnipeg, giving him 100 points in a season. 1988, Chicago's Michael Jordan wins the NBA Slam Dunk Contest with a perfect score of 50 on his final dunk in front of the hometown crowd at Chicago Stadium. Also on this day, 2000, Randy Moss sets records with nine catches for 212 yards. And Mike Allstott scores three touchdowns. The NFC's 51-31 win of the AFC, the highest scoring Pro Bowl. Well, until, I guess you want to count it, the flight football game from Sunday. And that's this day in sports history. All right, 943. Coming up next, we'll talk with uh, Colorado Mesa women's coach Taylor Wagner. Uh, do we have a winner, by the way, for uh, Herd Trivia brought to you by Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer? No, we don't. We do not have a... Okay. Nope, we don't. And so we are still looking for the correct answer for our Herd Trivia question. Once again, the question. It's multiple choice. And you get a beer or coffee per week for a month from Colorado Craft Coffee or Beer. Get your choice. What year was the first Colorado, was the first year Colorado Mesa went to the D2 World Series in baseball? Was it 2005, 2009, or 2014? What was the first year that the Mavericks went to the Division II World Series in baseball? Was it 2005, 2009, or 2014? So first correct answer, you get that uh, coffee or beer, one a week with Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer House, located at 1144 North 12th Street and Glenwood across from CMU. Get your answer in right now to 970-242-1340. That's the team line. We'll take a break and come back with more on the Jim Davis Show. Craptastic. Not just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on the team. Maverick women's basketball team on the road this weekend. Regis and UCCS coming off wins, of course, this last week at Western and at home against Westminster. Taylor Wagner joins us. Good morning, Taylor. How are you? Doing fine. How are you? I'm doing fine. Congratulations on a a successful week last week uh, with wins against uh, Western, going to Gunnison, getting the victory there, and then at home against Westminster. 
And let's start out, though, with Olivia Reed. Once again, Olivia Reed, RMAC Defensive Player of the Week. Um, kind of like Mac Reneker for the men, Olivia Reed. Uh, just always, seems like she always uh, is in contention for this award. Uh, had the, the incredible uh, uh, job that she did on the glass uh, with the 24 rebounds uh, against uh, Western. And she ends up, of course, with a very productive games against Western and Westminster uh, with 35 rebounds in those two games. I mean, just another sensational performance by Olivia. Yeah, I mean, she keeps amazing us, and um, and she scored well. I mean, she had 30 points yeah. against Western and 26 against Westminster, so she probably could have won both awards this week. She just had a heck of a week, and, uh, you know, we were getting her the ball, and she did her thing, and hopefully we, she can do that coming up in these next few games. Well, certainly, though, the, the Western game was uh, was not an easy one for your basketball team uh, going up to Gunnison. Uh, you had to go to, to double overtime to win it 76-70 to 70 as Kylie Kravig was able to hit that three to send it to the second overtime. Olivia's performance, the 30 points, 24 rebounds, part of that. But uh, your team had to – you went in there, and you've talked about this before. That's just uh, Paul Wright Gymnasium, just always a tough place to go get a victory. But uh, your team got pushed to the limit, uh, double overtime, but you get the job done up in Gunnison. Yeah, I mean, I we were lucky to get out of there. It was it was a crazy game, but I, I'm happy for our kids because they didn't they did not give up. And you know, in that first overtime, right at the end, we made we made a few plays. And Kylie, um, you know, before the the shot that sent it to the double overtime, she she tied up uh, one of the Western girls, and the possession went to us. And and so she really, I mean, she wouldn't let us lose in that last. 30 seconds of the uh, first overtime. So I was really super proud of her. And, and then in the second overtime, she hit a big deep three. So she did a, a phenomenal job and just their will to to not want to lose. You know, it, I mean, every game counts and matters and, you know, for now and trying to get into the NCAA tournament and all of that. So um, kids played with a lot of heart at Western. Yeah, Maverick women right now 11 and 3, third in the conference behind Regis. We'll talk more about the Rangers in a moment and also Colorado School of Mines. Uh, then you came home to beat Westminster by 43 points. You've always played competitive games with them. I believe they had won the last two against you, but that's the biggest margin of victory in the series between you and the Griffins. That was a heck of a performance by your basketball team. Yeah, you know, and I, I think after that Western game, I was a little worried we'd have a, a letdown at the beginning just because of you know, the double overtime and kind of a quick turnaround. And But, you know, the girls played a phenomenal first quarter. We really talked about our defense and how it needed to pick up. And, and uh, you know, for three quarters, they held them under 10 points. We held them for, you know, 38 points in the game. And I, I thought they were focused pretty much the whole night. Taylor Reitner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team. And uh, you have, of course, Regis uh, to start out the road trip this weekend. Uh, Regis, right now, as I referenced, they're they're twelve and three uh, in conference play, seventeen and four overall. And uh, from a scoring standpoint, Josie Ryan for them, uh, she's uh, had a sensational season, uh, just around uh, almost sixteen points per game for her. They have the top scoring offense in the conference, so big challenge going to their place, uh, Taylor, on Friday night. It is, you know, I mean. Aaron Fry, their point guard, was player of the year, and she's their third leading scorer. 
So it shows this year, you know, how, how much they've improved and some of the other girls are stepping up and offensively this is this is one of the more difficult teams to guard just because everybody on the floor um, they can shoot threes, they can take you off the dribble. You know, some of them are really physical in the post. So we, we'll have our hands full defensively with this team. And a team that uh, was a challenge last time, a narrow victory at Brownson, 87-82 in that one. Yeah, you know, we were up 20 pretty much the whole game, and in that third quarter they kind of threw on a press. We didn't handle it as, as well as we could have. And, yeah, and and then they hit a bunch of threes in the fourth quarter. I think they went 7-9 of nine from three-point line in the fourth quarter. So, um, very dangerous team. Like you said, they can score a lot quick and um, you know, we're kind of telling our girls, hey, we, we've got to be road warriors this week and just um, be able to play 40 minutes and maybe even more with uh, with a team like Regis. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick Women's basketball team with us on the Team Sports Network. And then it's uh, UCCS, uh, another close game that you had with them. Taylor at uh, Brownson winning it 58-53, to but we mentioned uh, – Regis right in front of you in the standings, and then you got UCCS, which is right behind you right now at eleven and four. Yeah, a big weekend for all of us. You got second, third, and fourth place all playing each other, and and uh, like, like I mentioned before, we've got to be road warriors and go in. And really, we can't we can't play a bad game. We can't have a bad quarter against these two teams. They're both great rebounding teams, great defensively as well as you know the offense with Regis and uh, they're, they're really going to battle both of us. And like I said, there's a lot at stake. So I think everybody's going to be ready to go and, and we've just got to go and play a better game and, and really grind it out. And, and I hope our girls are up for it. And then, you know, you have to slow down Mason White in that last game. Uh, she, uh, the, she faced you uh, 12 points, 10 rebounds, double, double. She also had three assists or excuse me. She uh, had uh, one block shot in that game and a couple of steals. So White and her presence inside, always a big test for Olivia Reed. She is, you know, she's strong, physical post, and, and and you mentioned the rebounding. She's one of the better rebounders in our league, so um, we've, we've got to make sure we can't give her easy shots offensively, and then we've got to block her out. She she does a phenomenal job. And, and then on the defensive side, too, she's really active and can dis- disrupt a lot of things. All right, so I'll have coverage both nights uh, right here on the Team CMU Sports Network. Women tip it at 5.30, both nights a minute, 7.30. Taylor, appreciate the time as always. Good luck on the trip this weekend, and, and hopefully come back with a couple of wins. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team, joining us on the program. All right, we have a winner for uh, Herd Trivia today, correct? Yes, we do, Mark. All right, so congratulations to Mark today. Uh, the answer, by the way, is 2009-2014 was the uh, second year that they went to the Division II World Series. All right, that's our show for today. Thanks again for joining us. Jim Rome's coming up next. Don't forget Avalanche at the New Jersey Devils tonight, pregame at 5 o'clock with Connor McGahee right here on the team. See you back here tomorrow morning at 7.